tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. On this episode of This League, we talk about the Devin Booker snub, which was inevitable. (laughs) The Devin Booker All-Star snub happens. This is the seventh time now. Why the Wizards are no longer the joke of the NBA. We also break down the resurrection of the Miami Heat and why the rest of the East should be worried. And we also work on answering a new batch of listener DMs. All right, Marty. A bonus segment, if you will. We got to talk about Brandon Ingram. (laughs) What the hell is up with this kid, Brandon Ingram. Let me start by saying, Brandon Ingram drafted a Duke player, drafted by the L.A. Lakers, very high. Where was he drafted, Marty? Do you, uh, second. You, he was drafted second overall. Okay. Behind your boy. Be- behind your boy. <laughs> so, okay. Brandon Ingram gets drafted to the Lakers. And then, all of a sudden, we get... LeBron James playing on this team with Brandon Ingram. The first time that I ran into Brandon Ingram was right after he was drafted. He was doing he was doing a spot, you know, these new NBA players, they have these sponsorship deals right. by, with brands that they really don't care anything about. <laughs> so the brand reach out, reaches out to us. This is when I was working at USA Today. And they say, hey, would you like to do a one-on-one exclusive interview with brand new lottery draft pick, Brandon Ingram, and I'm like, hell yeah, (laughs) absolutely, this kid is nice, this kid's long, he's lean, he's the, possibly at this point, everyone's calling him maybe the second coming of Kevin Durant, which is a generous comparison, we'll say. Quite. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll go interview Brandon Ingram. So I pull up there, and it's very clear that there's a lot of people excited about Brandon Ingram being there, uh, but none of them... None of them's name was Brandon Ingram. He was <laughs> basically comatose in the middle of this interview. He was, his eyes were almost closed. I have to find the clip. I don't even think, actually, we published it because it was so bad. I think I had to tell the, it was a knee brace sponsor. I had to tell them, like, none of this was usable. I've never had a non-usable interview in my life. Yeah. So then we're trying to get some B-roll for the interview. I mean, this is just like a complete non sequitur, right? We're not planning on talking about this. But so we're doing the B-roll, which is like you're getting video to put on top of the interview, right? So that you're not just seeing the two people talking the whole time. And so we're like, hey, Brandon, it's me and my producer. Shout out to Sandy who got me fired and hired at Barstow. Shout out to Sandy. (laughs) So me and Sandy are around. And I'm like, hey, Brandon, can you give us some dunks and like some layups around the rim? And he goes, nah, I'm a gonna. He just said no. I'm a gonna. What you mean? I'm a gonna. And he's got his brother there, and his brother's like, doesn't look at all like Brandon Ingram. He looks like, he's, he's, he's not, I mean, Brandon Ingram is like Slim Reaper kind of yeah. style. This guy's 260 pounds and probably five foot seven. That's hilarious. Like, so, Westbrook and, has a fat brother, too. Really? Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> so, I mean, there's nothing more polarizing than the brothers on the set, the brothers playing basketball, and, and Brandon Ingram's just completely 
out on doing anything, complying. So I'm not a huge Brandon Ingram human being fan. Maybe things have changed, maybe they haven't. So before we get started, I'd like to personally address this new Brandon Ingram quote. They asked Brandon Ingram uh, the other night, a couple of nights ago, about how he felt about Zion Williamson getting the all-star spot at 20 years old, one of the youngest to ever get that spot. And this is what Brandon Ingram had the gall and audacity to say. I have never played with a player as talented as me until (laughs) I played with Zion Williamson. (laughs) Folks. And then he said, oh, yeah, yeah, Zion's a generational talent, which I will say is true. Zion is a generational talent. He's tremendous athletically. He's skilled. Who cares that he only has, like, one move around the rim? He's tremendous. There's no disrespect to Zion Williamson when I say this is just big-time cap. This is the biggest (laughs) cap ever. Excuse me, Brandon Ingram, do you forget that you played with LeBron James? Yeah, for a full season. For an entire season? When LeBron James was trying to get your little ass out of there so that he could get someone new, he was trying I mean, to hence, shop. I mean, hence the comment. Hence the comment. <laughs> yeah, obviously he's a little salty. This is salty balls, Brandon Ingram. Like, what? Are you kidding me? What an oversight. There's just no way he forgot that. This is about as bad as when Kyrie Irving said, oh, I finally have someone now that I have KD that can hit a final shot in the fourth quarter. Also forgetting that he played with generational talent, one of the greatest of all time, LeBron James. Also, Brandon Ingram, feeling himself. Let's go into who else he's played with. He's played with the U.S. Uh, Team USA in the National Select Team roster with De'Aaron Fox, with Jason Tatum. He also played in the McDonald's All-American game with Ben Simmons and Jalen Brown. I would say, Brandon Ingram, all those players not only are better than you now, a.k.a. as good as you now, I would say that they were as good as you, if not better, even then. <laughs> so, folks, he also played with Drew Holiday. Drew yeah. Holiday is much better than Brandon Ingram. I mean, it's not even close. In terms of team value, yeah, it's not close. Yes, in terms of that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. I think Drew Holiday could lock down Brandon Ingram in one-on-one. Are we talking about one-on-one here? <laughs> I don't know. As In terms of team value, for sure, Drew Holiday. In terms of one-on-one, it's close. Totally different positions. But who are you, Brandon Ingram, to say this? You are <laughs> the second option on a sub-500 team that is exciting as hell but is not doing shit this year. So maybe, just maybe, this year, do you know how many teams had at least two legitimate all-stars on their team before replacements? Six. 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 This is a Marty segment. Six teams. (laughs) The Clippers, the Lakers, the Jazz, the 76ers, the Celtics. Sub-500. And the Nets. Six teams had at least... Two selected All-Stars before replacements. Who am I missing that's on that list? Who was not on that list as a team, Marty? That would be the Phoenix fucking Suns. It's not fair, folks. All the best teams in the league this year have multiple All-Stars on them, and the Phoenix Suns are legitimately one of them, except for the world is just a cruel, cold place as it relates to Devin Booker. They are second-best backcourt in the league behind the Nets. Facts. 
And guess what, folks? For the sixth year in a row, <laughs> Snub City, population one, Devin Pretty Boy Booker. So uh, I've got a lot to say about this. I mean, I've, t- it's taken, I've taken a good bit of time to gather my thoughts uh, on the snub. And normally I think all-star snubs are kind of, you know, silly to talk about because there's always one. But this is part of a bigger story and a bigger pattern of disrespect that Devin Booker has been subjected to. I'm so used to the slander, it honestly doesn't even really surprise me. And you were unfazed when it came out in the group chat. You were unfazed. Yeah, because it's not a feeling of like anger or saltiness that a lot of people you know, want to make it into. It's just a confirmation of feelings that Devin Booker is consistently disrespected and underappreciated and that people switch up uh, narratives to use against him at every turn. For years, despite putting up offensive numbers you know, immediately upon getting minutes in the league, people just want wanted to shit on him and give him the good stats, bad team guy, that that label, that trope that's thrown out all there. When he scored 70 in a game, median fans did everything to discredit it. Uh, in 2018-19, he scored 50 in back-to-back games. SI Now, Sports Illustrated's now defunct oh, uh, okay. <laughs> video platform, <laughs> uh, did a segment titled, Is Devin Booker Actually Good? After he scored 50 points in back-to-back games. And uh, I saw a banner ad for a Sup Fellas hoodie when I went there, so fuck you, SI. Uh, that double-team video that came out, do you remember that? I don't think I do. It was him in a scrimmage. It was like him, Joe Kim Noah, and a few other players. He got mad. He was like, hey, stop double teaming me. We're here to work oh, on the games. Oh, I do remember that. And everybody was like, no, Devin Booker. Like, oh, you De- can be double. What, yeah, what are you Devin like? Booker doesn't like to work it was basically what it's people like, were no, It's like, no, I'm trying to work on my game. Right. I get double teamed every yeah. single night because I am amazing. Yeah. I don't need to practice passing out of double teams. No. <laughs> Before the Orlando bubble last year, ESPN released an article ranking the 50 best players in the bubble. It was 31. He was behind the likes of Fred Van Vliet and Montrez Harrell. Yikes. I mean, we saw this coming. I knew it was going to happen before it even happened. It was so clear in my head yeah. that Devin Booker was going to get the snub. I mean, it's death, taxes, and Devin Booker not making the All-Star game. And Devin Booker disrespect. Yes. That's just the way that it goes. And, and we know, okay, yeah, Devin Booker filled in for Dame Lillard and he played in the All-Star game. That is not the same thing. No, you you want to earn your spot. Devin Booker now getting a D spot, not the same thing. Devin Booker is not a reserves reserve. That's not the case. I mean, this is a respect thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, a pattern of underappreciation and disrespect. Is it's what I'm it's appalling. Yeah. I would say it's 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 past fucked up. The way that they treat him. And it's not just about the all-star selections. It's about everything that goes around that comes with the, the narrative of Devin Booker. And, and the way that Devin Booker put on a show leading up to the selection meant to me, personally, he was doing everything that he could to break down any potential naysayer. Mm-hmm. He was Balling for the last three weeks before the selection came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last like ten games leading up, he was real special. Thirty points, four and a half rebounds, and five assists in his last nine games. Yeah, where the Suns went seven and two. So it's stats and it's winning. And you knew that the motivation for him to ball out was because he was like, "Hey, what more do you need from me, Devin Pretty Boy Booker, in order to make the game?" Yeah. He let's put not only is he putting on a show, let's just talk about who they've beaten in that time period in the last few weeks. They've beaten Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, New Orleans with the historic comeback. Oh yeah. And they mauled 
my team in Portland. I mean, it was like getting destroyed by a bear. Yeah, it wasn't close. Just when the attention was the brightest, Devin Booker has shown up the most, and apparently he's just not an all-star. He's just not good enough. (laughs) And it's a good time to remember and a good time to remind everyone that this is not just fuck them kids. This is also NBA coaches that are disrespecting him in his own conference because you, the way that the rules go is Western Conference coaches have to vote for the Western Conference reserves. Eastern Conference, same deal. Can't vote for your own team players. You can only vote for everyone else. And yet they were like, nah. You know who we're going to give it to instead? Paul George. Paul George has missed a third of the season. Yeah. He's missed 10 games, folks. How do you make Paul George an all-star when he's missed one-third of the season? I don't know. It's inexplicable. It's crazy. Like like C.J. McCollum would say. Make it make sense. <laughs> make it make sense, respectfully, please. So Paul George is basically doing the exact same thing as Devin Booker. He's averaging 24, 6, and 5. Book is averaging 25, 25 4, and 4. Both play with current All-Stars with Kawhi and Chris Paul. He scored 18 or more. Devin Booker has scored 18 or more in 25 out of 27 games. So he's consistent as hell. It's not like he's boomer bust averages either. Right, yeah, no. <laughs> and the Suns being the hottest team in basketball, they're 20 and 10, including one, nine of their last 11. And you know who ends up getting all the shine for that? Chris Paul. Yeah. Chris Paul <laughs> averaging 16? Yeah. Uh, that was the weird one that didn't get talked about a whole lot. Uh, one of these things are not like the other. Well, it's just, I, I'm cool with the coaches voting if they're just going to be consistent about how they vote. Because last year in the All-Star game, uh, Booker got left out uh, and was uh, – who did they have in there? They had Westbrook, Chris Paul, uh, and Donovan Mitchell, all who he had better stats than. And the argument was, uh, oh, you're just – you don't have the team success. You're not doing enough. But and that's then, bullshit because right. Bradley Beal made the all-star team. Yeah. And the Wizards at that point in time were one of the worst teams in the East. Yeah. So they just keep switching up on what the uh, actual uh, criterion is. Yeah. Uh, uh, Zion bothers me too because their stats are pretty comparable. If you want to get – I mean, I, I know Zion's shooting 62% from the field, so, like, I get that. But uh, – it's just a complete uh, 180 from how they did it last year. And then there were people saying, oh, Mike Conley should be AD's replacement. I mean, that's just, that's, that was Jokeville. Yeah. That was that was Jokeville. I just, I just don't see it. What is it going to take? What do the numbers need to be? It was, like you said, it was at first all numbers, no wins. Now it's, oh, well, the wins are really for Chris Paul. And before he got there, no, actually – well, actually, folks, <laughs> Devin Booker led the Suns to going 8-0 and in the bubble. They were already rising. They were already arriving prior to Chris Paul getting to the team. Yep. They are, the entire NBA media is well-actualing Devin Booker every step of the way. And I think it's because he's so good-looking. I think he's so smooth. He has everything going for him. He's pretty in the face. He's dating Kendall Jenner. Yep. And they're like, you know what? Fuck him. Why would we give Devin Booker more things to hang his pretty little hat on? Let's take the one thing, one piece of control we can get away from him, which is that all-star spot, which, by the way, is meaningful. You might say to yourself, well, why does it matter? It matters for legacy. It does. It does, yeah. People talk about it a lot. Yeah. And I, speaking of legacy, I love Chris Paul, but that's a legacy vote. 
100%. That was, he's averaging 17, four and a half, nine. Great. But is that, if, if you're going to put Chris Paul in, you have to vote Booker in because they're on the same team and Booker's averaging more stats. Right. It's like, oh, with Chris Paul winning matters, but with Zion, stats matter. With Paul, it's just. I demand an investigation. It's just, it's, it's just pure hypocrisy, and I'm sick of it. I want to see who voted for who. Yeah, r- really. I yeah. want them to stand in front of a podium and explain to me why, because I believe it's un- undefendable. So even though we saw this coming, the outrage was even bigger than we all would expect because LeBron James took to Twitter and said, Book is the most disrespected player in the league right now, except and then followed yeah. by Dame Dalla, <laughs> right? So even though we all saw it coming, as you can tell, I am outraged. Yeah, I just want to go back to what I was saying earlier. I know I didn't talk a whole lot about this All-Star game. I hope I kind of uh, made my point uh, heard that it's just garbage that they've one year it's about uh, wins and team success, and then the next it's about, oh, like the stats say this. Uh, it's just a pattern of disrespect that Devin Booker has experienced basically since he came into the league. And I kind of understand it. He was on a bad team. People weren't really watching. There were no national games. And they formed an opinion on him unfairly that he was a, just a good stats, unspecial scorer, like a Kevin Martin. I think a lot of people thought of him as that. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, I, I heard that quite a bit. And uh, I just hope people understand now the pattern of disrespect that Devin Booker has had to deal with through his career. And go watch him. Watch him play and reevaluate your feelings on him because I guarantee he's a different player than he was three years ago when you probably last watched a Suns game. What do you think about that Hornets game last night? Do you think that was part of the Devin Booker disrespect? Because what happened was Devin Booker was egregiously fouled and no foul was called. Yeah, no, I mean, you really start to sound like a homer when you get on and complain, like, oh, Devin Booker never gets calls, but he kind of (laughs) doesn't. Like, I don't want to be that guy, but he kind of doesn't. And you see worse players uh, get it. Like, Bradley Beal gets that call. And and, and not that I'm saying Bradley Beal's worse, but... Damian Lillard for sure gets that call. Harden gets that call. I mean, damn right, Marty. Make it make sense. This is a DC segment. (laughs) Are the Wizards better than we think? I think it's possible. I think it's possible that the Wizards have turned a corner. No team more decimated by COVID than them. When Adam Silver was just making Miami go out there and play with seven guys, they shut Washington down for 13 days? Yeah, the Wizards got shot, shut down for a full two weeks, no practice, no communication with your compadres. No contact, no nothing, just Zoom practices. <laughs> just brutal. And I, I was on record during the pod saying that the Wizards might never play another game again this year. Right, yeah, no, I mean, they're by far uh, the team most affected by COVID this year. Uh, they missed the most time and the most games, uh, two full weeks at a stretch. Uh, San Antonio was close most recently, but they're back playing. Yeah, yeah. And, and San Antonio, I don't know which is worse. San Antonio missing like a couple, like one week and then another week, or whether just an entire two week layoff is worse. I think it's worse Ooh. when you're just getting, you're just getting a ramp up for you to just be out for two solid weeks, missing you know ten games. Right before they shut down, they played the Suns 
and they beat the shit out of your sons, Marty. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Things seemed like maybe they had their mojo going. It was early in the season. No one really knew who was going to be good and who was not going to be good. And then they came back, and then all of a sudden, they obviously were super rusty, right? Mm-hmm. And all of us didn't really think about the rust, myself included. And we're like, oh, yeah. The Wizards are trash. The Wizards are big trash. Why? Because they're always big trash. So we just expect that just because something happened last year and the year before that and probably the year before that, (laughs) that it's going to continue to persist into the indefinite future, right? Also, on top of that, they were the second worst defense in the NBA, I believe, at that point. That Bradley Beal said at one point he was uh we can't guard a parked car. Oh yeah, uh huh, yeah. <laughs> that was when I was like, "Yo, burn it down, send Bradley Beal somewhere else, like trade him, trade him, free." <laughs> we were all like, "Free Bradley oh, yeah. Beal, mm-hmm. free him." That. It feels like just yesterday. And then what happened? And we were also like, "Oh yeah, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't so know about much, that. So much dribbling. Just right. who? How? Who's going to take the last shot? It's going to be Russell Westbrook jacking it up, bricking from forty. And then all of a sudden, Russell Westbrook, because he was out there, I think he said he was playing with one leg at one point, because that's that's the kind of caliber of player that Russell Westbrook is. He finally got healthy, and the first time he said that he was feeling right the entire season." was that win against the Nets. And the Nets had everybody. KD, Harden, Kyrie, and the Washington Wizards <laughs> beat them on a last-second steal and buzzer beater? Woo. Woo. And we were like, wow, okay, maybe this is just a grudge game. Maybe it's just Russ playing against former teammates. But as, as I am a lot, as we are collectively a lot, we are wrong because they've figured out their defense coinciding with the exact same time that Russ got healthy. And things have looked pretty different over the last 13 games. They're 8-5. and five. Uh, They beat the number one team in the East, the number one team in the West. Right, they've been playing good teams in this stretch. Like, yeah. They went on the road trip west and buzzed through their opponents mm-hmm. that they had no business beating. None. They're one of the hottest teams now in the league. They beat the Blazers, the Nuggets, the Sixers, the Lakers, all on the road. Jesus. So why, the question is why, why did this remarkable change occur? Uh, Scotty Brooks says, Russell Westbrook says, Bradley Beal says, hey guys, like when you take two weeks off, it's really hard to be in game shape. (laughs) Right. And it's pretty hard to play consistently good defense when you're out of condition. I don't know. Maybe when you play some games, you finally have your wind underneath you. They're a month removed from their forced two-week COVID vacation. And now, all of a sudden, they're good at guarding the perimeter, they're shutting down teams, and conditioning obviously matters. Plus, I don't know if you remember this or know this, but Mo Wagner is now starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I would say that's one of the biggest reasons that this Wizards team, their starting core and their bench is now playing more effectively because you've got a big man in Robin Lopez coming off the bench Matchup problem. Love Rolo. Me too. Leading the team in a defensive rating with 101, putting the clamps on the Blazers, holding every single opponent that he guarded from 0 for 13. Clamps. We were hot. Blazers were hot. And then we shot 35% from the field with Robin Lopez on us. I'm not saying he's the panacea for the Wizards, but that's meaningful. Oh, yeah. And ever since they've had that change, ever since they've gotten healthy, 
ever since they came back to condition. And ever since they made that lineup change, things have been different. And I tell you what, are the Wizards good? Are they good now? <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Have they figured their shit out? Uh, I, They're definitely closer now than they were. Coming into the season, I just really didn't like this roster. And then just Westbrook and Beal together, I just didn't really believe in. But I did like Thomas Bryant a little bit. And when he went down, that's when I like really gave up on this team. So the uh, uh, the two guys you just mentioned, uh, Wagner and Lopez, uh, coming in and making up for those uh, minutes that they lost with Bryant, I think has been a big, uh, big factor in this surge. The question is, is it darkest before the dawn? Are we now seeing the Wizards on a surge? Are they possibly a playoff team? I don't know. It appears, though, that I might have been a little too early with my opinion that <laughs> that the Houston Rockets won the John Wall trade. So credit to me for saying that I was wrong because Russell Westbrook is, according to Bradley Beal, a perfect teammate. The teammates, all the teammates on uh, the Washington Wizards say that Russell Westbrook is an incredible leader. Uh, he's bringing it every night. And so now this team has changed, apparently. They're beating good teams. They have the sixth best defense over the last 13 games. Sixth best defense. To go from the second to last worst defense to the sixth best, I don't know how you make that change, but Jesus Christ. I'm, I am now very excited to watch Wizards games because they've always put up a shitload of points, but now they can actually defend. And now they're only a couple of games out of the playoffs, so if they end up sneaking into the eight seed, this might be one of the greatest turnarounds <laughs> we've seen in an NBA season. So Philly, Philly, anytime you don't make meaningful changes to your roster and you make the NBA Finals, the natural assumption is that you'll probably be a favorite to go back, right? Yeah. Typically, 100%. Typically, yeah. The Miami Heat, even though they had one of the shortest off-seasons, period, other than the Lakers, should be right there. Should be one of those teams where you're like, yes, they should be a team that's third in the East. Mm-hmm. And they have been, respectfully, big trash. They have been <laughs> go- hot, hot, and I don't mean sexy. I mean hot garbage. Like the kind of garbage in New York City... In August, just like flies swirling about, emanating steam, it's been bad. I mean, it's been, and I said, they were like one of my favorites that I predicted going back and being the contender in the East, and I I feel very silly even saying that, given that they've been that bad. But some of that, kind of like the Wizards, not really their fault, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no. COVID. Much of it was not. Yeah, COVID. This team was once forced to play, like I said last segment, they were forced by Adam Silver's ass to play with seven guys. They've missed only one game due to COVID, but numerous players have missed time due to protocols, including Buckets, who missed 10 games, by the way, mm-hmm. one third of the season with COVID. Dragic missed 14 games and will miss more time. Ankle injury. He's old as fuck. <laughs> They've cycled. Get this stat. The Heat, the Miami Heat have cycled through more than 15 starting lineups already. 15? 15 starting lineups so far this year. In like 31 games? <laughs> In 31 games, 15. I would say that's hard. 
to get some chemistry and cohesion in your roster when every night it's changing. I'd say so. Uh, what is their fault is this. Pat Riley has decided or did decide they were not going to go after another point guard. And Dragic, as you know, Marty, uh, has limitations. One of those being father time. <laughs> He's pretty much missed. He pretty much missed the entire NBA Finals last year, and they were like, "Nah, we don't need to upgrade. We're good with what we have. We'll stay pat." Pat Riley. Speaking of staying pat, Pat, what are you doing? They better make some move there. There is no excuse for not having a backup plan for an older hobbled point guard that had plantar fasciitis last year, and now he's got an ankle, bum ankle. The dude has, we'll say he's missing wheels. Also, Kendrick Nunn is awful now. Kendrick Nunn, somehow. (laughs) Somehow, I think that was probably their plan. It had to been, yeah. And now they're scrambling, evaluating whether they should bring Isaiah Thomas onto their roster. That's how bad things got in the point guard uh, spot for the Miami Heat. And so, not surprisingly, giving all of these things, COVID, no point guard, point guards injured, uh, they have sucked. And now that Jimmy is healthy, holy shit, this is the heat we've been talking about. This is the heat that we've been wanting to see. This is the heat that we expect to see, right? Mm-hmm. The team is slowly turning it back around. They're 8-3 and three in their last 11. They've won four in a row. They beat the Lakers and the Raptors on the road. And Rachel Nichols recently interviewed Jimmy and asked him how the Heat were playing at the moment. How would you describe the way the Miami Heat are playing basketball right now? Terrible. Terrible. Just terrible. Uh, Not the way that we say we want to play. Not the way we're supposed to be playing. But it's okay because uh, we will turn it around. And like the saying says, better late than never. Yep, better late than never. That's true. That was before they went on their little run. And the Heat go where Jimmy goes. So here's a little stat. The Heat are 12-8 and eight with Jimmy and 3-9 and nine <laughs> without Jimmy. So if Jimmy hadn't missed any games, they'd be 17-13. and 13, And if he's missed the full season, they'd be 8-22 and 22 at this point. That would mean either third in the East with Jimmy or last in the East without him. I would say he's pretty critical to that team's success. Yeah, that's significant. That's yep. significant. Now what I am I am hearing, a little birdie has told me, and I think it's also very um, public in the t- NBA Twitter sphere, is mm-hmm. that they're thinking about adding Victor Oladipo. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that as well. Yep. What do you think about that move? I kind of love it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think if you add Oladipo to that roster, oh boy. Yeah. I don't know if they can get another point guard, but that point it just really doesn't matter that much no uh jimmy depot and bam i like that i like that triangle a lot and they have a huge test coming up friday night they play the jazz what do you think is going to happen in that game do you think that they're going to compete or do you think that they're going to get their asses handed to them like every every team that plays the jazz recently has i'm not picking against the jazz until they give me a reason to uh especially after last night uh they just came and mauled the lakers uh i think the jazz are playing I mean, this is far from a hot take, but the Jazz are playing better than anybody in basketball. All of that to say, if the Heat uh, end up getting a big player like Oladipo, you better watch out. Miami fan base is not necessary to pump them up. Also, Dragic is coming back. Return is imminent. 
probably right before the All-Star break, I'm mm-hmm. hearing. Yep. Bam is now looking healthy, same way that he was in, in the playoffs before his injury. And I tell you what, I don't think any Eastern Conference team, including the Brooklyn Nets, want to see this team in the playoffs, this Heat team in the playoffs. No way. This is like a junkyard dog that has <laughs> been desperate and hungry and scrapping their way even to be in the playoffs, which I think maybe makes them more dangerous than ever. So I don't care where the Heat end up getting seated. Eight, seven, doesn't matter. If they are fully healthy, the team that plays the Heat is the underdog. Count that. Uh, let's do it. Okay, uh, first one, we've got uh, why aren't more people talking about James Harden as a potential MVP? Why aren't people talking about James Harden as an MVP? You know, that's a really, really good question. I would say it's very similar to why Damian Lillard is not getting any shine, and it's all it's all based around the media. Once you get into that, like, stream, mm-hmm. like that uh, happens kind of prior to the year even starting. There's, like, pre-odds and, like, media chatter, and then you have a good couple, like, maybe good 10 games. That's why Luka's still in the MVP race. Just That's just the hot thing to do. So you've got Braun, Embiid, Jokic, Luka, and Giannis, and Steph as a long shot. That's where the media is right now. And that is what is an NBA MVP narrative that will not change. Once you get like seven guys in that stream, I don't think it changes. Yeah. And Harden is not part of that discussion, even though I think he should be. And the reason why uh, is probably because of the way that he pushed his way out of Houston. <laughs> I think that makes it tough for anyone to root for you. But let's get it straight, folks. The reason that the Nets have had continuity, the reason that the Nets have continued to win is because of James Harden. He is so durable. That's the reason that the size and Sean Marks decided to go after him to begin with. Durant has missed a ton of games due to COVID. Now he's missing games due to, I don't know, we'll call it injury. I think it's injury. They Maybe it's load management. Doesn't matter. Harden is that guy that can step in and be a continuous force. Har- uh, Kyrie went on his little walkabout. He did his little thing for a while. He's missed some games due to injury as well. Who's there? Harden's there. The most reliable guard possibly from a durability standpoint in the NBA. Tim and Dame and I don't know. Yeah, I would say those two. Sheesh. Those two consistently I looked at Harden's stats he's missed on average like five games a year for his entire career only yeah he's been in the league like 12 years now 13 it's it's incredible uh that guy that we joked about having a fat suit on is doing everything for the team that should win the east he's averaging I I had to look these stats up twice he's averaging 26 or 25 seven and a half and 11 and 11, over wow. 11 assists a game is twice his career average. That's the guy, you remember Harden's narrative, right? He's selfish. He's selfish, doesn't like to pass. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. you've heard that, right? <laughs> MVP Harden doesn't like to pass, even though he was leading the league in assists that year as well. <laughs> yeah. Narratives. He's doubling his assist amount per game now. He's doing exactly what this Brooklyn Nets team needs him to do. And you know what? He's got better odds, or worse odds, however you would like to call it, 
than Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is a more favorite to win the MVP when he's not even playing games. Yes, sir. Double. Harden is plus 3,300, and Kevin Durant is plus 1,400 right now. That Kevin Durant plus fourteen hundred. That might be the worst value bet in all of sports. Right I mean, now. why would anyone? Why would anyone put a dollar, a dollar into that? You know, it's interesting, Harden, because everybody joked after the trade that Harden wouldn't be able to share the ball with Kyrie, and guess what? This isn't Houston anymore, folks. Where he needs to drop forty in order to get off, and in order for this team to win, it's like, oh well, Kyrie's there. Okay, I'll play make for him and KD. They're missing? Okay, I'll drop 40. It's it's insane to watch Harden become this chameleon who matches his game to any scheme. When he was coming off the bench in OKC, best six man in basketball. Number one option, MVP. Playing with two other MVP quality players, playmaker. James Harden, 100%. Whoever asked this question, it's disrespect. James Harden, 100% deserves a dead serious look at MVP this year. And why isn't he? Because the media fucking sucks. That's why. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. We've got, uh, if the Sixers trade for Lowry, big if, uh, how far do you think they can go in the playoffs? If the Sixers trade for Lowry, how far do I think that they can go in the playoffs? <sighs> <laughs> I think the finals. I mean, yeah, probably pretty far. Probably if the number pretty one far. team adds another <laughs> all-star caliber player. Okay. I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, Kyle Lowry can do all the things that you want a point guard to do. He can shoot. He can defend. He can take charges. Uh, he can lead an offense. He's outside of this year pretty damn durable. The question is, what are the Sixers giving up to get him? It appears that Kyle Lowry wants to go to Philly. Uh, but the question is, what – does Philadelphia have to give up in order to get them? Right. If they keep their young core, everything's gravy train. This is like a finals, finals destined team. If they have to lose, like, Tobias Harris, that's trouble. Trouble. Yeah. <laughs> that's trouble. So, I don't know. The bigger question is really how does this team match up with Kyle Lowry against the Nets? I mean, you've got Kyle Lowry probably – Matches up with Harden, Tobias guards KD, right? Uh, Simmons will guard KD. Yeah, Simmons will guard KD, yeah. or he'll rotate around. Right. Yeah, and then the big three now at that point are pretty well defended, mm-hmm. and that's the only way I think that Philly can somewhat stifle a team that's going to score 130 points per game or something like that. Like that's the only way. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then on top of that, Kyle Lowry can. When the lights are brightest, we know that Kyle Lowry shows up. We know what he did with the Raptors when he was in the finals. I mean, he's, he's a fucking monster. He's awesome. I he's, love Kyle he's Lowry. He's a monster. Yeah. I mean, at this point, Kyle Lowry, fan who asked this beautiful question, is the perfect player to take pressure off of your man, Mr. Balloon Hands, Ben Simmons. <laughs> he can then flex into the playmaker position with Ben. They can rotate kind of like uh, LeBron did with Rondo where it's like, doesn't really matter who brings the ball up, doesn't really matter who initiates the offense, and then Ben Simmons can get off in the post with his hard shots against the backboard like he likes and his little <laughs> his, his little hook shots that he also likes. And then the lack of scoring that Ben Simmons has, you know, becomes a non-issue. So, yeah, how does Kyle Lowry affect this team? I would say a lot. 
I would say this team is going to the finals if they can wriggle their way into getting Lowry on and expiring and keeping all their core guys. But that's pretty goddamn obvious, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, do the Bulls sell or buy at the deadline? You know, I would have said originally that they would be a seller because yeah. you would want to get rid of those valuable pieces and you're a, a young franchise, up-and-coming franchise that is probably not going to win anytime soon. So you should get some pieces, develop your young core. Mm-hmm. But man, are they one of the most surprising teams of the year? Oh, the Bulls? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I said earlier that the Bulls were not going to be good for an indefinite period of time, and I was wrong. <laughs> They're not great, but they are good. And that is important in a year that pretty much the entire East is down, right? Like, everyone thought that this East would be strong, and now the Celtics are sub-500, and the Heat are a mess. Yeah, we're back to normal. Who knew? And Yeah, we're back to no- <laughs> Yeah, but at this point, the Bulls... Check this out. They've beaten the Pacers. They've beaten the Pelicans. They've beaten the Blazers. They've beaten the Mavs twice. And they played the Lakers, Clippers, and Blazers tight. Tight, tight. Mm-hmm. I would say that's an overachievement. So all of that to say, I think you keep on to every little piece you have. And you maybe pick up another asset just so that you can maybe make a push to go to the second round. But I would not sell Zach Levine at this moment. No way. Oh, no. No way. Flip Saunders said that Zach Levine was going to be a star, and everyone laughed him out of the gym. And Zach Levine, let me tell you, folks, he is a star. Uh, But the Bulls in general, even without Zach Levine and his 35 points that he puts up nightly, two nights ago there were seven guys with 10 or more points on that squad. (laughs) That's deep. Yeah. So I think the Bulls should probably be buyers. They have to add defense. They have to add toughness. They can score without marketing. Maybe, maybe you get rid of marketing and you try to bring in like a John Collins. I like that because I also, I also really like Williams a lot. Like I don't really like as a stretch. I like Patrick Williams. I there's a good basketball player in there. I'm not exactly sure what it's going to look like in three years, but there is a good basketball. He's player. He's like in a there. red onion. You have to peel back. Yeah. <laughs> How many layers are you going to have to go in order to get a quality NBA player? We don't know. Uh, but I think the East is wide open, and the Bulls have as good of a shot of taking advantage of that as anybody else. So that's my answer. That's all the time that we have for this league. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It makes a massive difference. Subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. We also have this league hoodies on sale in the Barstool Store. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.